everybody. Welcome to Camel City Chat. I'm John McPherson, and I am here with Sam G. Ballas, um, which is, you know, and we're neighbors, too, which we don't want to tell anybody, you know, too much about that, but we are neighbors. And Stabler's a neighbor, too. This is kind of weird. So we're yeah. we're having a, can we call this an HOA meeting? We could. We could we call could. this an HOA meeting. No dues next year. No, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, but uh, if you don't know who Sam is, I mean, you have to. Uh, he is the, what, CEO, president, founder of East Coast Wings. Um, and some other stuff that we're going to touch on. Sure. And I really, really appreciate you taking the time to, to be here. Um, man, you are on your phone in the sense of things. We sent you an email, and you're like, okay. And then it's like the next thing, okay. And I'm like, you know, I figure you got more important things to do than, than, than uh, let us know that you can be on the show. But we really appreciate you taking time to well, be we here. We came a long way from the uh, $2,000 phone that was drilled into your floorboard. Oh, yes, that yes. right. It, boop, 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 you know. I was at a meeting yesterday, and a friend of mine used to work um, with uh, the flow companies. And um, he was over the um, tennis tournament. Okay. And uh, Mr. Flo tried to get in touch with him and couldn't. So the next day there was a bag phone on. He said, don't call anybody, but if I call you, I, I'm, I'm, we need to make sure that all this stuff's getting done. <laughs> the so, infamous bag phone. Yep, the infamous bag phone. I had one of them. Well, um, you know a little bit about the show. I, I, I really want to talk about my fry. I want to talk about East Coast. I want to answer what we, you know, we did in our promo, flats or drums. I know you've had some time to think about it, so you're prepared. Okay. But uh, before we do that, let's learn a little bit about you. Where are you from, and how long have you been in Winston-Salem area? Well, I'm, I'm a triad kid. Okay. Right? So I was born in High Point, North okay. Carolina. Moved to Winston-Salem, gosh, I want to say I was maybe seven, eight years old. Mm -hmm. And been in Winston all my life. Um, schooled at UNC Charlotte. And then back home I came. And now live in Clemens, North Carolina. So I'm a triad guy. Right. Now, you um, obviously married, have two kids? Four. Four kids. Okay, so I only see two. So I only see two drive down the street. So I don't know. I don't know about the other two. So tell me about your so, family. So I've got a daughter who's 28 years old, right? With two children, lives in Charlotte. Um, uh, Greg and Gabby. Uh, Greg lives in downtown Winston Salem. Bought his own place last year. Gabby, who's back from college, December graduated at home right mm -hmm. now, trying to figure out her career move. And then a 16-year-old, Veronica, who's uh, a West Forsyth High School student. Okay. So four total. So two four home, total. Yeah. Two, two, not home. Mm -hmm. And um, so, I, gosh, I want to ask all the other questions, but I have to ask you the, the, the other three or else we wouldn't be doing our episode <laughs> right. So I'm going to assume that I can cut a couple of places out. So you don't always eat at East Coast Wings. We're not going to allow you to say home, um, and we're not going to allow you to say the, new, the newest edition, My Fry. So I should probably even... Get some of Sammy's places out of there, so you're not. Where Where do you like to eat? <laughs> it, it depends the craving, right? You know, Where's the, the last place you and your family ate? Uh, last place we ate was in uh, Rocky Mount, North okay. Carolina, this weekend, a volleyball tournament. All right, uh, and it was Chipotle. Chipotle, <laughs> great food, <laughs> good yeah. food. And um, yeah, I know Steve, who founded that that concept. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Steve okay. Ellis, good, yeah, good I think people don't realize, but you know, besides being here, you've been. Um, very involved with your national organization and franchise organizations and stuff like that. And so you, sure. we're going to touch on some things that you've had some cool opportunities to do, almost do, et cetera, and all that kind of stuff. I've had some really cool opportunities. So, you know, my path out of college was financing. Right. So I was a stock and bond guy, uh, some investment banking, and then um, real estate was my bug. CCIM, too, by CCIM. the way, which is so easy to get. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Congratulations on that. That's like a huge Thank honor. You. So, you know, I, I got the real estate bug when I was in college. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, it's really ironic, my son followed him the same path. Mm-hmm. Um, while I was at UNC Charlotte, I had a family member who's a, a big realtor in, in Charlotte, North Carolina. So was watching all his transactioning going on and got the bug then, but never really um, got introduced to it as a um, career process or a business model until, you know, Paul and Jimmy Chryson um, and some of those friends of mine that were in the development place. So uh, financing became a bug of real estate as kind of almost a transitional, maybe one day model that turned into a full-blown commercial firm model. And then in that experience, East Coast Wings was a very small concept. I was actually invited into the concept when I bought out the concept and then opened the second location, who was a tenant in one of my buildings. Uh, ironically, and then transition into East Coast Wings and Grill. So complete overhaul of menu, complete overhaul of um, uh, processes, decor, look. And then I was still in the real estate space after I hung up my financing career and um, decided what I'm gonna do with these two restaurants. Let me investigate franchising, which I spent about two and a half years studying that model across the Southeast, visiting a lot of franchise models, talking to a lot of C-suites. And um, it turned into be a a good move um, and it had to go to be a full-time move. So Mid-Carolina Realty Group is still out there, still does a a little bit of work, not as much as it used to do back in the day. It was pretty hefty, kind of the silent commercial company. Um, But when I get involved in something, I'm two feet in. So the franchising model was very unique to me. Uh, I'm a realtor. So I'm, you know, I've gone to the realtor conventions. I've come from financing, so I've gone to all those uh, uh, pony and dog shows and all that industry trade processing that they have. And the franchising was really unique because the give back was, because the realtors, we give back a lot too as realtors. Um, but the, the intellectual capital give back and franchising really intrigued me. So two feet in I went and fast forward, you know, 15 years of doing this, with how I wanted to build East Coast Wings and Grill, um, I've now been elected in my second term of the International Franchise Association Board of Directors based in Washington. And that's what I was talking about, how yeah. you're, you're very involved. So in uh, I am um, I'm deep, obviously, as a board member with, with that association, and I'm the vice chair of the Franchisor Forum, which means I'll become chair next year, and then I'll be on the executive board of the IFA in, in 2023. So it's... Um, it's been a really cool ride. I've met, a lot, you know, as I mentioned, I know Steve that founded Chipotle. Right. I mean, you're in there with um, the, the guys with Subway. You're in there I, with all uh, the different franchises. It's funny you mentioned that. Uh, my, my first mentor to franchising a long time ago, he's now passed, uh, Fred DeLuca. Right. Yeah, we talked about that night uh, I saw owner, you. Owner of, fran- owner of all the Subways, one, one person, you mm-hmm. know, had all the Subway. And... Um, Fred was really good to me at the very beginning when I was just trying to sponge out everybody's intellectual processing and trying to figure out, you know, how do I build a restaurant franchise model? I'm Greek by descent, right? Mm-hmm. So food's in my bloodline. Wait, what is up with that, Sam? <laughs> it's, it, you know, it, it's like the Hispanic community, right? right? You know, um, I can roll back 20 years ago, we had probably one or two Hispanic restaurants right. in, in this area. And now we've got one or two in a three mile radius every three mile radius. 
And uh, I'm trying to think where we are right now. There's one. There's one up here. Right. Uh, to, to our, our, our There's our one down there. East. Yeah. There's yep. one to our west. Yeah. So the reality is, is that, you know, the, the Greek population back in the day when my father came to the country at 12, 13 years old and fleeing the wars and, right. and such over in Europe, um, you know, what, what do you do? What trade, what trade do you know? What, what expertise do you have? Well, in the restaurant space, it's, it's more simplistic. It's hard work, but more simplistic to get a job in the back of the house, let's say, and somebody teach you how to prep a food item or et cetera. Right. So if you look at the, you know, the migration of, of the Greek population in the triad area of North Carolina, it kind of reminds me how uh, the Hispanics have done a terrific job in, in, in migrating and building, you know, their restaurants and things that they do. They've, they've gone to a, a place that, you know, that every American can enjoy, which is food. Right. Um, and it's a, it's, a, it's a good cash flow business. It's not easy to manage, um, you know, the top revenue to the EBITDA. The middle of the P and L, of course, is most important in any, any small business. You love numbers, don't you? I, I'm a numbers guy. Yeah, I was an investment banker. You've always said you're a numbers guy, and it's just like yeah, numbers guy. I'm a numbers guy. Yeah. So it's it's been a really really cool ride. Um, even even my father, you know, who's almost 80 years old. Yeah. I was at his house Sunday afternoon watching the Duke game um, in the NCAA tournament, and we were talking about some business stuff, and I'll mention things to him that he'll just kind of like, uh, oh, that's cool, whatever. Um, and it could be, you know, hey, Dad, I had, you know, dinner the other day when I was traveling with, you know, Greg Flynn. Right. Uh, okay, well, you know, Greg Flynn is the largest franchisee in the globe at $3 billion of a company. Mm -hmm. um, and in the restaurant franchising space, that's a huge, huge name. So right. who would have thought 15 years ago that, you know, Sam Ballas out of Winston-Salem would be a board director of the IFA, uh, you know, Mike time on the stage is speaking about you know, my passion or what I like to do in the franchise space. But then have an entourage of, you know, the Greg Flynn's of the world and the Catherine Monsons of the world and Charlie Chase's of the world and all these folks that control, you know, a lot of companies that the everyday person in our community uses. Right. Um, it is um, really cool to have, you know, fast dials to a lot of people much smarter than me. Um, when I get stuck. It's, it's amazing. I've talked about this. Our, our guests, that, that actually, you know, we're recording this on Tuesday. Tomorrow's episode is Avery Hall, who is a banker with um, Wells Fargo. He's also a... I've you met know, Avery in the past, yeah. Right, yeah. So he's a big football player, you know, at yeah. App and all that stuff. Yeah. We talked about yeah. that. Avery is one of the first people that will reach in that hole and pull you out. Um, he's always doing what you talked about earlier, like with Mr. DeLuca, is, is that mentorship, that person that's trying to find the next person to be great and, and yeah. stuff like that. So it's so neat for you to say what you said. is like, you know, I've got people that I can call and ask questions to, and I'm sure you're the same with, with everyone. Oh, I mean, the, the, the pay forward in, in this space is huge. Um, I do mentor a lot of, uh, of brands in my last four or five years, especially during COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, COVID for me was a huge eye-opening experience with um, having the ability to have the speed dials to much smaller people. Uh, COVID also got me, you know, waist deep in politics. Mm -hmm. So being on the finance committee of the IFA as well, when COVID hit in 2020, we had, uh, I had opportunities to be on the phone with a lot of congressional people, a lot of Senate uh, talent, um, some un understanding, some not m as much understanding and some confused with all politics of the world, but um, it really has been a really cool, cool ride to reflect back and think, you know, 
um, in junior high and seventh grade, we did an aptitude test. And you I remember yours too. <laughs> well, it, it was a career aptitude. It right. was. It was. I think about it all the time. It's just the strangest thing. There's certain turning points in your life. You just it just burns, you know, in your file 13 in your head, right, right. in your subliminal cabinet. And um, this aptitude test, um, back in my seventh grade years, and eighth grade years, it just it's just there. I remember taking that, and then a week later, you go to your homeroom, and it was the first time we started changing classes back in the day, and it was, and well, I'm, I'm aging myself now, it was, you know, junior high, then high school, then senior high, and now it's not that way. But I remember going through the test, and it said the two most probable careers in your future. Now, I mean, how old are you in seventh grade? 12, 13 right. years old, right? Yep. And um, in my, my two highest was A, military leadership, or B, or, or within basis points of each other, was chief executive officer of a company. And um, it was never a goal of, of ego or a goal of, of desire to own and be a C-suite of a company. Right. Um, I have been brought up in my young years in an entrepreneurial visionary place as far as how I grew up. So um, it was there, always there. And every time I have that kind of maybe on a plane ride going from East Coast to West Coast, and I'm reflecting, kind of, what am I doing, challenging myself, questioning myself. For some reason, that aptitude test and the seventh grade always kind of comes back out of the. It's, it's really, really strange. It's how, amazing how just those little star points throughout you know our life are, are direct and changes. Yeah, and and then you know you uh, you take that subliminal kind of recharge, so to speak, and then you look at my upbringing, which is an, an immigrant son, who you know was stowed away on the boat at twelve years old, and then snuck off the ship in Staten Island right with basically no money and then you know my father built several successful businesses in the restaurant space and see that's what I, I want to ask you about how we get there um, to with your dad and stuff because you know there's I'm seeing when, in our conversations you how you're raising you know your son that's wanting to get in the industry too yeah, same so, so before we do that let's ask one more question sure and that's uh, after all this stuff and crazy things that you do and all this what do you do for fun around this area what do you like to do um, I've tried to get better at golf. Okay. Just to kind of, you know, it's the only time I don't answer the phone. Mm -hmm. The phone, you know, goes on mute and sits in the golf cart. Uh, I do have it there for any type of family emergencies. But right. um, when I text everybody and say I'm going to be on the golf course uh, with some friends, nobody would bother me. Um, and I'm a granddad now right. with the second. So you know the, how life shifts from um, you know golf to to some outdoor activities and hiking and fishing, et cetera, To Maybe some golf now, and then how I get to Charlotte see the grandkids, or sitting in the driveway and watch them ride, <laughs> or, or you know, yeah. or, or yeah, the, the cool remote control technology yeah. where you can you know put your grandson in at sixteen months and you control where he's going. It's it's uh, um, it's just a natural progression you don't think about when you're in your thirties and you're in your forties. When you get in your fifties, um, then all all of that kind of wraps around into into what really is more important right now. So I would say that the family kind of has overtaken the golf process. My sticks uh, are still in the garage. You know, I haven't even pulled them out and put them back in the car yet. Well, it's warm enough now. You need to get them <laughs> yeah, in there. Eventually, I will. Do we, do we need to schedule another interview and you just go play <laughs> golf instead? Um, so let's let's go back. So your dad is, is coming over um, 
to Staten Island. Yeah. Um, getting ready to get off of the boat. You said he sneaks off the boat. Yeah, and, pretty much. Uh, we need to hear what he does, but guess what? It's time for a break. We're going to be right back with more Camel City Chat and Sam Ballas with East Coast Wings and My Fry after this quick break. Welcome back to Camel City Chat. I'm here with Sam Ballas, and we're talking about uh, all kinds of things. Um, this is going to be just just buckle your seatbelt. So your dad is 13, 12, 13 years old. We're in Staten Island. He sneaks off the boat. How do we get to where you are now? Well, I mean, Dad's path was, you know, the immigrant path to New York. Mm-hmm. Was just save percent of everybody that came over years and years and years ago, and then you know somebody with through letter format knew he was arriving, so they you know snag him in New York to the hot dog carts. He went mm-hmm. for a small stint, and then somebody in Winston Salem, um, I won't say it might be the Pappas family namesake, uh, reached out to folks and said, "Hey, we need some." some help down here, um, and then from New York in the car or bus, he arrived in Winston-Salem. Mm-hmm. He worked at the town steakhouse number one, you know, cutting salads when he was 13, 14 years old. Right. Um, his dad had come over prior for a small stint, um, was trying to send money back at the you know, war-ravaged area of Greece that those guys grew up in. So, you know, how, how do I come full circle with that story? Mm-hmm. Well, how do you, how are you born in, in the best country in the world, with the most opportunity in the world, knowing that story and not driving for, for success process of some kind, mm-hmm. right? That, you know, success to me is not just uh, monetary stuff. Um, that's just kind of the um, um, uh, act, reaction of action, right? The reward of, of, of labor and, and, and intellectual capital. But every time I get stuck back in my day, you know, 15, 20 years ago, um, I've been in dark places uh, with kids trying to figure out how to pay the mortgage next month. Right? I mean, I've been there twice in my life. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be married 30 years. It's coming up January. And there was twice in my first seven years of marriage that we had some very, very tough times. Now, those are turning points, Right, you have to reflect your turning point and get an action plan together to figure out how to dig out of that process. So, prior even the marriage and getting in my finance career and being the first generation of my bloodline to go to college, um, how do you not have that subliminal drive as an immigrant son to reflect and know what pops did mm-hmm. and how he developed and and the, you know he didn't have um, an easy path either. Um, I remember going through bankruptcy with the restaurant space as demographics would shift or, you know, Western Electric would close one plant and relocate another plant and all your lunch came from that one plant of workers back in the day. Oh, look um, at uh, over near um, where CCC used to be in the, what was it, La Coretta was across the yeah, street when yeah. they moved downtown. Yeah. And then it's like, there's not a restaurant there anymore. Yeah. You know? So that was everybody yeah, came I've across seen the all that, right? I've, yeah. I've seen, I've seen the the early ages of my childhood, uh, you know, having a house and having this and having the other. And I've seen having to go to an apartment at eight, nine years old. Mm-hmm. And I've seen him having to go become employee labor versus an ownership labor. I have seen that be rebuilt into success. So I, I've had, you know, a lot of good lessons in how I grew up. Um, so the, the typical immigrant Greek Italian mentality, where you know the mom is, is kind of nucleus of the household, and the dad's a nucleus of the business, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. 
having seen all that, how do you not drive yourself? You know, you, you know it, it's the, the, the scariest thought for me would be, the, uh, not that I haven't had failures. I had plenty of failures, right? But to have something that would completely implode you due to unfocusing, laziness, um, too much risk for the reward, and then having to go back to, you know, that type of father and say, I, I can't do it. It's just not, you, you're just not there. You just have to, you just dig in and figure out, you know, how are you going to, to, to make that failure change? How are you going to make that inflection restructure uh, as a turning point, right? And um, that is my, outside of my immediate family, mm-hmm. um, when I do get in my dark places, and, and every business owner does, the whole year is not always roses and cupcakes. You know? What is it? You step over quarters to get to nickels sometimes? That's right. right. That's right. So um, I've been in a lot of dark places in the last 25, 30 years, yeah. building a family, building companies. Um, and when I get to that place that I need to reflect for myself instead of asking for a support mechanism or reaching out to a, um, an intellectual capital person smarter than me to kind of get a, a different course of, of idea, um, it, it's the old man that that kind of rejuvenates me thinking, okay, how I've never, I think in, in, in my career after college, my careers after college, there may have been one time in all those years that I've had any sitting down with my dad to talk about what a battle that I lost, you know, the war seems dim. Mm-hmm. Maybe once. My I just, always, I mean, down to financials, down yeah. to where I couldn't pay a bill. Never went to go ask for money. Right? My dad's Never. always, what's your dauber down for? You get it back up. Let's go, <laughs> yeah, you know. That's right. So let's, let's talk about dad here, all right? Yeah. Um, what was it like when your son said, I want to I wanna learn more about this, dad, and want to be in the industry? Because I think, you know, as, a, as another, you know, family business person, as you know, with us with the KNS newsstands, yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, that type of thing, it's, you know, oh, working for dad, you get everything, you know, oh, it's going to nah, be an nah, easy nah, ride. Nah, nah. You have, you've come up with a new philosophy that I think people are going to start to use here. So yeah. tell us about your son and, I, uh, you know, so, what he's doing. Sure. So, so Greg is a UNC Charlotte grad. Right. He graduated from their business school down there and, um, you know, offering him a little bit of leverage while he was in college because of my connections. Hey, you should do some internship, internships and, you know, go find someone on your own. And if you need any help, I've got some franchise connects out of Charlotte that I could easily get you an internship if you need something. He never asked. Right. It's like a mini-me. He just, he just never did. Right. And I get a phone call when he was a senior or a, a second semester junior, fraternity boy, right? Mm-hmm. He joined the frat that I was involved in in, in right. UNC Charlotte. Um, he called and said, hey, you know, Dad, I need to move out of where I'm at right now with these roommates and get focused, get finished, and get out of here. Right. Uh, will you? I'm sorry, who is this? <laughs> yeah, seriously. My Did wife your mom like, put you up to this? Yeah. When I, well, I called my wife and told my wife, she's like, you got to be kidding me. I said, you know, he's, he. Our kid's on drugs. Uh, oh, 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 no, he grew up, you know. It's, uh, so I said, if, if, if that's what you want, what's your timeline? Right. So, so, so let, give me something to hold you accountable to, right? And uh, I will get you into a one-bedroom apartment. And we did that. Right. So he moves into a one-bedroom apartment by himself. He went and bought a dog, mm-hmm. right, which we all see around the neighborhood in our yard running around. Okay. And um, he calls me the first semester senior year 
and says, I think I'm going to take a real estate class at night and get my credential. <laughs> You're crying here. I'm telling you, yeah. it's the craziest my thing My daughter's ever. seven and wants to sell real estate. I'm yeah. like, yes. So, so Greg finished his business school degree in right. UNC Charlotte, and he was a real estate license credentialed person in North Carolina before he graduated college. Awesome. So uh, it was almost the same path uh, that I took. And then <clears throat> he started job hunting. Of course, COVID came, so he never got a chance to walk. Mm -hmm. uh, they sent his cap and gown, and we got this infamous picture in the front door of our home with Grandma and Grandpa, you know, with him and his cap and gown and, and shorts on. Right. But um, his diploma came in the mail. He didn't care about much about that. Of course, Mom and Dad wanted to see him go across the stage right, right. after all that money we invested. Have but... that money, every dollar, <laughs> take every step. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but um, I get a phone call one day when he was in Charlotte visiting some friends, looking at some career opportunities, and he says, Dad, <clears throat> you want me to venture off for a couple of years and do some things? And my heart and my mind is telling me that I need to be at the company, the family company, sooner than later. That's what I want. So what would stop me from doing that initially? And I said, well, if you come to me in the company, then you got to work for somebody else in the company, and you got to start the bottom of the ranks. Push the broom. Got to push the broom yeah. and push the mop and, you know. Because um, no one will respect you unless they see you clean right. the toilet. So he started here, uh, and I don't mind saying it transparently, you know, uh, $28,000 a year. Oh, now see, that's different than what you told me because I thought you told me he didn't even make anything for like the first year. Well, he didn't make anything at the restaurant. Okay, all right. At yeah, the restaurant. Okay. So what I did to him is he came in as an entry field guy, right? right. And um, um, being trained here, mm -hmm. and I decided in January 2020, knowing there was some COVID issues coming because I'm on the board of the IFA and I was getting a lot of stuff coming from overseas. Um, a good friend of mine is the chief of commons of Coca-Cola. Right. So I was being fed by him as well a little bit, uh, kind of sidebar. And um, I decided in Clemens, North Carolina, to move the old location store that corporate owned as a test model. At the Lowe's. And buy it and move it over to the public side. Right. Uh, the public side of, of the bridge, you know, three-tenths of a mile away. And then uh, when the company said, and, and even, even I owned the company, the, you know, my people decided, right. Well, you know, saying we're not really selling that model, so why would we put all our energy there? We need to focus elsewhere. Right. That's fair enough. So I'll invest in and do it. And I thought, what a great opportunity to kind of fast track Greg. So I put Greg in charge of the development of that entire location. So Greg got a chance to negotiate real estate training. He got a chance to negotiate construction with some oversight from us. Here training. comes the worst one. He got, got a chance to hire people. Yeah, he got, he got a chance oh to figure out gosh. how to hire people, <laughs> training. Then when people call out, training. And then, so he went through uh, about a year. Uh, if there's any small business training you can call hell on earth, mm -hmm. I think Greg went through that. Um, Big games. Uh, other personal things. Out. Oh, you know, yeah. buddies calling saying, "Hey, let's go play golf this weekend." You know, at four in the afternoon, he can't because he's got to be at the restaurant because the deal is that you're going to do it this way. Right. So he gave me a year of his life basically at that location on top of his day job mm -hmm. at zero economics. Got paid nothing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you know, Greg's a, a small frame man. Mm -hmm. Um, as I as am I, mm -hmm. but he dropped 20 pounds that year to the point to where my wife started yelling at me. What are you doing to our kid? <laughs> uh, 
I said, I'm trying to teach him on a fast track. So, right. um, and reminding him, have faith and trust, have faith and trust, have faith and trust. So, so two years later, practically, and he's 25 now, um, we'll get in the car to go grab some lunch somewhere, or we had a closing yesterday that he transacted right. for me on, to buy some stuff. And um, we're on the way there, and he goes, you know, Dad, uh, faith and trust comments and reactions of actions, whatever. He goes, I get it now. Mm -hmm. um, so he's learned how to run a business. Uh, he don't own the business at this point. Uh, he thought he was going to own the business when I put him in that task. But I'm old school built. You know? See, I'm further along than he is because I think I have about $200 worth of points on the... Um on the loyalty card, and everyone asks me, you want cashies or not? I'm like, no, I'm saving up for a franchise. <laughs> so, yeah, no, but uh, so I'm further along than he is right now. Yeah. So. But, uh, no, it's it's a great location. and um, Great location. I, I think what we need... Great community. They, oh. they embraced it, uh, and we work hard to put a good product and service out. It's not easy today. Employment today is is, is tough, really, really tough. And people don't realize, and I, 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 we're going to take a break. I want to talk about this because people don't realize this. I had a friend of mine that owned the subway here on Jonestown, okay? Is that John Kite? No, no, no before that. Okay. Um, and so he owned the subway, and it was down near the old food lion okay. on that side. Yeah. And he moved over the bridge. And he lost so many clients, but, of course, picked up over here. So moving from that Lowe's location to that Publix location, people don't understand that you're losing clients and having to re-educate a whole new group over here. And then with the way that road is broken up, you have to go past it to get into it and stuff like that. That stuff really affects things. And so in our next segment, what I want to do is take that, you know, simple business of preparing food as, you know, you kind of alluded to that it's not, you know, brain surgery in a sense, to the brain surgery side of things. Because, you know, I'm looking over here and I don't know what all that stuff says, but I know that it means something. <laughs> and, you know, there's a reason why this light at this at this uh, lumen is at this particular thing. Sure. It's down to that, and I'd love for people to learn about that. And then also, you got a brand new franchise you're doing uh, with Sammy G. Yeah. Right? And so um, find out all about that stuff, okay? Sure. All right, we'll be right back with more Camel City Chat. Welcome back to Camel City Chat. I'm John McPherson, and I'm here with Sam Ballas, and we've been talking about all kinds of things, family in the business, et cetera, and all that stuff. But let's talk about the business. And let's go ahead and ask my, my the only reason why I'm here. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> flats or drums? Personally, um, I am a uh, flats guy. Well, I should get up and walk away. All right? <laughs> and so Stabler's a flats guy. I'm a flats guy personally. But and I will tell you that if there's anything that's out of the ordinary and ask for right. our brand, it's the flats. Okay. Very few people say all drums. I would say that it's a very minute percentage who, who will call an order in or sit down to order and say, I want to have a 10, 15-piece uh, wing count all flats. Uh, okay. It's a very, very small, small thing. Um, Which has more meat on it? I would say probably the drum a little more meat on it. You know, that, seemed, that, that could be something that we would do. You but know, but, the, but the, the key is in, in the wing space, here's mm -hmm. the key. Um, when I decide to franchise the brand, I had two macros I was trying to figure out how to structure as a system. One macro coming from an immigrant Greek family in the restaurant space, how do you get a seat at the table at Christmas if you're not earning you know, 30, 40 points, mm -hmm. right, back in the good old days? Right. That's disappeared today. 
So the, the essence is, in that one macro, is how do I build a franchise model that's interstatable where you can earn restaurateur money, returns, income, and not feel like you bought a gym job, right? That was one macro. The second macro was how do I do the franchising model and move it interstate out of North Carolina, which we have, right. with the quality of products that I know you have to have as a restaurant concept where your ambassadors are your patrons to help you grow that new revenue growth and that retention growth every year. And uh, those are two much harder things to do than people realize when you dine at a franchise concept or a chain style concept. A lot of chains gets, get pulled into the mechanism of better profitability as we grow to, to, to grow the teal faster to open up more stores. And in order to do that fast, something will give. Um, and usually it is the quality of product that gives. You it's go the size from, of the wings. Well, it's a, in, in the wing concept, size of the wings. Yeah. If you go to a place, let's say, that, that, that would have a plate-style food, mm -hmm. are you getting sous vide right. food or right. are you getting prepared food, right? right? Uh, they're both prepared, but one's prepared at a manufacturer and vacuum-packed in juices and sent to you to to then uh, through instruction to prepare to serve and one's made from scratch. There's a differentiation of, of that quality. So at East Coast Wings and Grill, it was, okay, we're gonna have philosophy of nothing frozen when it comes to our proteins. And outside of boneless wings, and I'll tell you why in a second. All right, so that's we got. That's my next subject. It yeah. is not a wing, it's a nugget. That's right. It is not it, a wing, it, it's a nugget. Okay, so watch this. So okay. outside of that one nugget, All right. Everything we have in protein is fresh. We don't allow frozen. Okay. So a wing, frozen, you can tell it's a frozen wing when you do go through a flat or you go through a drum. If you'll pay attention, and most people don't, look at the bone structure, mm -hmm. right? Um, and it's going to have a lot of charcoal gray or gray looking structure to it okay. versus a bone looking structure, maybe a little bit of pink on the bone. Right. That's how you can tell it's a frozen product versus a non-frozen product. There you go. That's that's a more you know type of thing. There you go. Boom. So if it's, it's one gray, for if the it's audience. grayish when, if it's a grayish bone, then that grayish indicates it's, that it was frozen at some point. Uh, most high probability it's frozen. Okay. High probability. And then a nugget, which drives me nuts. So when they say we that. used to when the boneless wings came out or the nuggets came out seven eight years ago nine years ago as this new wing propaganda thing really. Right. Um, we never adapted it. We stayed wings and we stayed chicken tenders. Right. Well, then the demand from consumer base started asking for this propaganda item that was out there. Right. Uh, it went from propaganda and restauranting to the public. Hey, will they eat this it's thing? It's called a boneless wing now. And then basically it turned into a boneless wing. Right. So we started using our tenders and trying to mimic that size right. and create it fresh, which is the you know, the mantra of the, the brand, right? Um, fresh, crafted, never frozen. You know, we actually own that, that, that saying. So we had the consumer base shot it. We don't want it. And the reason was that when you bread a chicken tender, which we do, fresh, you get a very thin coating or crust of, of your fried tender, if it's fried. Um, unlike you get a... a 
pre-cooked frozen tender in some places. So when you get a chicken tender in the marketplace and it comes very crunchy and very bready, that's not a home breaded fresh tender. That's a frozen par-cooked tender. Right. Um, the consumer base on this nugget or boneless wing, um, they love that crunchy texture. Right. That was it. They wanted that thick, breading, crunchy texture. So what we did, we went to a local uh, poultry producer in North Carolina, and we said, well, we might yield to this. We need some testing. we got to have this par-cooked. Those are par-cooked. You can't okay. get that texture unless it's par-cooked. So it's manufactured, it's breaded, it's flash par-cooked, flash frozen to lock in the freshness as much as you can, and then it's packaged and sent. And you finish it at the store level, the complete cooking process. We want a certain size. Well, da, 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 da. So what we did basically is we had to invest our money into the manufacturer and get the screening size that we wanted. And literally what that means is that they'll pour cook this, this manufactured product, which is called the boneless wing or the big nugget, mm -hmm. and it'll go through our screen for our brand that we purchased, and it shakes and mm -hmm. it vibrates. And everything that meets that screen's diameter of our desire goes forward and everything that doesn't falls through, mm -hmm. right? And that's where your popcorn chicken comes in from KFC, for example. Right. That's where, so all that fall off that doesn't meet our spec, they rescreen it and then repackage it for another brand somewhere for something different, so to okay. speak, right? So even though we had to yield based on consumer sentiment to a par-cooked boneless wing or oversized chicken nugget, um, we wanted to make sure that when you bit into it, it was white breast quality chicken, and right. it is. Now, it's a manufacturer phenomenon that in the last eight years has been, I mean, who doesn't have it? Everybody has it. The fast foods, Arby's has it. Everybody's got boneless wings. Yep. Um, it was a marketing propaganda that turned out to be a home run for that space. Um, but now it's very difficult with manufacturing after post-COVID, off-ramping of COVID, um, who manufactures it correctly and who's just trying to go as fast as they can to get the demand out there. So we're finding a lot of inflection to keep our quality of product up. So far and few times between, we will get some inferior product and then we'll call the stores in five states and tell them throw it away. Uh, and just 86 it. We'd rather right. not have it available than serve something that's that's not up to our standard of quality. Well, I think that's one one plus of East Coast is, is I mean, you guys have, you know, pretty meaty wings. I mean, yeah. you know, and uh, so I was I was disappointed that the uh, that the you know insanity wing was not here. You know, I thought you know we could eat that and cry. Well, you don't time. eat that on camera. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I did that once. I was on Fox and Friends. Right. Uh, I don't know six years ago, live on TV at the plaza in New York. Mm -hmm. And um, we had myself up there, a few of the others up there, and our chef. Mm -hmm. And we have a, we had a disclaimer. Now, we don't have it anymore, and I'll, I'll tell you why in a second. We had a disclaimer. You had to sign waiving uh, us as far as liability, you know, with any pre-existing condition you didn't know you had, whether you had an, an ulcer, didn't know you had an ulcer, whether you had... And this it. happened like four years ago that that happened, right? Well, six years ago, six I think years it was ago, a okay. Fox I No, I'm talking about the when you stopped doing the wing. Was it, was, it was about, yeah, three and a half, four years yeah, ago. Yeah, I remember that yeah. happening. I wasn't there, but, you know, came in the next week, and someone's like, yeah, yeah, we kind of changed some things. Yeah, we did change some things. We had to. So so the anchors were out on the plaza with us, a little live on national television, right. on Fox and Friends, 
and uh, I'm mic'd up and speaking, and I'm, I'm ear-pieced, I'm, I'm hot-wired, and so is um, another team member of mine, but not the chef, not another team member, just two of us, but I had the earpiece live, the other person just had a mic. Right. So I could hear the producer, and we had a giant disclaimer, probably you know four foot tall, right, television, mm -hmm. and uh, all the anchors signed it, whatever, and today only I think one of the anchors is there still, but oh my gosh. he signs this whatever, and the earpiece is, is, is hollering at us saying, we, you know, 50 seconds to, to conclude, to move, right? So the chef, I turned to the chef while the camera's facing the other direction and said, we gotta go fast. <clears throat> well, he prepared an insanity wing a little strong because he was just moving, right? And I warned them on national TV, you know, take a bite, a little bit at a time. Well, with this anchor, a young fellow, takes the drum in the mouth and yanks out the, and then we're, we're still live on TV, so we're like 20 seconds in, and the producer says we're going to break the commercial and then recap the close, which means they'll break the commercial and then come and say, you know, 15 seconds about it. Oh, my gosh, it's so wonderful and all that stuff. <clears throat> oh, yeah, great stuff, right? So He's gone. So they go to commercial, so we're a minute away, right, for commercial, and the producer's hollering at everybody's earpiece, and I can hear, you know, where's this anchor at? Where's his anchor at? Now Do you he, have a reversal? He, he is live wired and not turned off, and I, we hear him throwing up. <laughs> we had a reversal, so, right? We did have a reversal. So here is one of the four anchors of Fox and Friends in the restroom, unable to come back out again. Right. Unable to come back out again. So we had to finish the segment, you know, where'd he go? Yeah. Um, it was so hot, he had to go find milk or something like yeah. that. That's how they spun it, whatever. But... Uh, uh, that was a, a beast um, um, uh, extract that we uncovered. I uncovered years and years ago. Right. So what we did after that happened. We had um, a young man, a very stout football player, um, size fellow, uh, who was being challenged by his buddies, and he did the same thing. Um, when we tell them not to, right. we gave you gloves, we gave you milk, we gave you the right, and um, he got up to go to the restroom, and on the way there, just fell over. Uh, the adrenaline of the heat is he passed out. Right. Well, of course, we call 911 protocol at the restaurant. So then I basically said, okay, we got to make a change here. This is fun, it's trivial, but you know, I can't control the consumer base the way that I need to control the consumer base, keep everybody safe and have fun with it. Right. So we're going to change it. So we took the extract, went to our, our sauce manufacturers, and said, hey, we need to make our sandy heat level saucing in a pre mixed process. Right. You know, the one thing about the brand that people don't realize outside of the immediate trad market, which is our home base, we're the only wing restaurant in the country that mixes wing variety of flavor to heat index at time of order. Correct. And nobody does that. So I can get the Kentucky bourbon and then get, you know, what... what well, you can get it medium. Right. I can get it hot. Somebody else can get it mild. Higher right. than hot. Or extra hot, or yeah. some so, people want it, you know, Kentucky bourbon version. Yeah, no, no, no heat at all. But nobody does that in the country. And, and I'm looking, how many is it now? It's how many flavors do you guys have? Uh, we're at 54 right now. 54, mm -hmm. and they run the gamut too. So I mean, you know, my my favorite's Kentucky bourbon, but I mean, you also have some jerk stuff. Do you, you get got, spice or do you get? Of it? course I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. It's yeah. it's usually a little bit above that, you know. Yeah. I can't remember what the wording is after hot, um, but extra you, hot or uh, or uh, lava. I think it's lava. 
I was going to say volcano, but it's lava. Yeah. It's lava, yeah. yeah so, so I get it around there, and then, you know, it's like, yeah. I feel it. I feel yeah, it, so. it's a good flavor. So, it's you know, like we, we have, we have with Kentucky bourbon, there's three blends of sauces to make that profile. Right. At time of order. Right. So think about going through, you know, very um, strong Friday night and having to do that for, you know, 80 people at a time or a half of the 40 at a time. So there's, there's a, a, a cool mechanism of how we do that to keep it fresh. And we have had manufacturers challenging us, oh, we can take all this and turn it into, um, uh, and not that Wingstop does not do a good job right. for their space, they do a good job. But, uh, or Buffalo Wild Wings, for their space, they do a good job, right, sports bar. Um, but you can't get any types of wings there at heat differentiation at those restaurants as you can at our restaurant. And they can't do that because everything is pre-done. Right with the heat intensity. And so what's unique about us is if you went to get 10 mango habaneros um, at my at East Coast Wings and Grill, at our locations, and you get 10 mango habaneros at Buffalo Wild Wings, and I'll tell you a quick 20-second story about those two in a second that will be kind of fun. Um, by the time you get to six, seven of the mango habaneros at Buffalo Wild Wings, you'll start losing that profile of the mango and the habanero because the heat intensity is, is too strong. Right. You go, through this, you go through our same process, seven, eight wings into it, you'll have the palate of the mango habanero and the sweetness, and you'll have the heat intensity palate as well. You'll never lose the flavor of your Kentucky bourbon right. throughout the whole course. Um, and that's what makes us really unique. So the mango habanero in 2005, May have been six. I'm in the car. I'm leaving the office, heading home, got the radio on, and I hear Buffalo Wild Wings coming to Stratford Road. I mean, to Haynesville Boulevard, right? right? Their first location in Triad. And um, they're introducing the grand opening, and you must come out and try our new signature sauce, Mango Habanero. And now we had it since 1999. It was then a, a product we were buying, and then mixing some of our ingredients to make it our profile. Right. Today, we have manufactured our own mango habanero in East Coast Wings label. So I called our attorney in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I said, hey, I just heard this commercial. Is that possible? They can come in my backyard and have my profile. So he checked, and in test, which is the, the country's trademark service, he searched mango habanero, and he found an application pending with Buffalo Wild Wings. And I knew Sally, the CEO, back in that day. Um, they were about half the size they are today. And so I instructed the attorney to send a registered letter to the trademark office in DC and with a with our proof that we had it prior. Prior to that, right. Prior to that. If you've been using it, they can't take it. That's right. So she lost her filing. Right. And so if you go to Buffalo Wild Wings and look at Mango Habanero, you'll see a 10 beside it. Mm -hmm. What you can do if you can prove that you've used it. Right. You come to East Coast Wings and Grill and you're going to see a 10 beside it, which we can prove that we can use it. But neither one of us can put the R right. to own the registration. It's not registered, yeah. So uh, the first time I met Sally in person about a year later at IFA convention, uh, somebody says, Sally, is a, she was a CEO then, she, she asked if we can find you, she wanted to meet you. And so I went to go meet this lady. She was nice, nice lady, and a really smart lady. And she said, uh, I just wanted to say, I just wanted to say hello to, 
to the brand that had then 11 locations versus my 260, 240, wherever it was back then, mm -hmm. who bought my registration for manual habanero. I just had to meet you in person. <laughs> yeah, I'm right. like, well, glad to meet you. Yeah. There'll be more of that coming if yeah. you keep on messing with us. Yeah, don't mess with our wings. <laughs> don't mess with our wings. But uh, some fun trivia. Little old East Coast Wings and Grill, you know, was able to take on the Samson and Goliath mentality. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. I want to talk about locations. I want to talk about test kitchen. Um, and then let's talk about what my fries next. Sure. Okay, cool. Sure. We'll be right back with more Camel City Chat. Welcome back to Camel City Chat. I'm here with Sam Ballas, who is the, what, president, founder, CEO, yeah. chief bottle washer, cook, all those things. Chief maintenance instructor, yeah. East Coast Wings and Grill. <laughs> um, it's nice having this thing here because I can always look and go and, and read everything that I need to know. But yeah. So um, we've talked about some things. What? So this... The location, Clemens, is a, your personal store. My personal location. Right. But then corporate has how many locations? Uh, Country Club, North Carolina. Right. So Country Club right here. Right. And that's the one. Is that, is that's that the where? the founding store. Is that the test kitchen or is the test kitchen no, no, here? No, no, no. We have, we have a facility in Yakinville, North okay. Carolina, um, a distribution facility. Okay. And in that huge distribution facility, we've got a 1,000 square foot test kitchen. Okay. So from, you know, catching 421 off of Jonestown Road, to our test kitchen is about a 17-minute ride. Okay. Um, and it was developed there for no more reason than when I decided to capture sauce uh, manufacturing in our label. We couldn't afford to, to build it in Forsyth County. Well, there's another reason, too, that I can think of. You're close to 77. Yes, we are. But that wasn't the reason it was we couldn't afford. We couldn't afford. But now that's a good reason, right? So we're okay. So okay, let me think about this. You're located in how many states right now? We're Don't five. tell me. Okay, I'm going to guess the states now. Okay. How many? Five. North Carolina. Uh huh. Texas. Yeah. Uh, Virginia. Yeah. South Carolina. Yeah. Pennsylvania. Yeah. And Tennessee. That's six. That's six. Okay. I say five because our our. Uh, I'm looking. There's a thing over there. Okay. So six location. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we're, we're calling it five because our Texas location right. uh, is just finishing up their 10-year license rights. Okay. And do some family medical scenarios uh, they're not going to for renew. It's the only one we have in Texas. Right. Um, so you have how many? So you've got one in Texas, one in, which obviously that one's, you know, that, that stuff happens. Do you only have one in, you have one in Virginia, one in Pennsylvania, and one in South Carolina? So we, we did the Texas transaction uh, years ago, 10 years ten ago. 10 years ago, yeah. Really 11 years ago. Because we had a development officer then at that point in time who wanted to, to use Texas as our most western market. Right. And once I get that one up and running, I'm going to, you know, we're going to blow out Texas. Um, so we did that deal. And then at this, you know, a few years later, we did the, the Philadelphia deal. Our, we have two legal practices that manage us or work with us. One is our corporate structure attorneys in, in Manning, Fulton, and Raleigh. And then Fisher Zerker is our franchise system attorneys in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. So we picked Philly as our kind of northern territory. I mean, we planned one there and then to backfill. Right. Um, the, tech, the Philadelphia scenario um, had a lot of union issues with it. We were able to work without those issues. Um, and then we decided to then change that little strategy. Instead of backfilling, just keep the spiral moving. And those guys up there own other franchise malls as well, and they would open up some additional stores. Well, by the time they got their footholding going, then you know, COVID started showing up in 2020. They opened in 2018 up there. But the Texas scenario is um, 
our, our development officer at that point in time uh, left the company. He was based out of Florida. Um, there was a medical issue with, with his significant other, mm -hmm. and he had to, to, to leave and do some other stuff. So we, we basically got stuck with a Texas location, and then nobody to oversight the spiring of that backfill in Texas. And we were growing so fast in the southeast, we kept our obligations open to Texas like we have to do. Um, and they've done very, very well there. Very, very well. So um, with, here comes a T-ball. So with this, you know, like when people have a franchise, it's like, you know, I might add something new to the menu or something like that. There's a lot of oversight. And so you ought to do like one of those television shows where they send you in to, you know. Undercover Boss, yeah. Have you ever thought about doing that? Uh, I was contracted to do Undercover Boss. Right. So I was approached, I was. How can you, I, do you have a picture of, there's no way that you can disguise yourself. So here, here, here's the, the, uh, the story in, in two minutes. So right. I was traveling in Utah in Park City at a small conference, a very intimate conference of 130 C-suites. Um, one of my other mentors in the franchising space, Steve Romanello, um, more distant than what Fred DeLuca was, but somebody I'd always, back in the day, would call and get some advice from. Uh, he is the second in command of Aurora Capital. They own Arby's and Buffalo Wild Wings and Jimmy John's, but they own everybody. Right. Um, and we were skiing together, and then we met the wives for, for lunch, you know, in Park City. And at that lunch was the actual owner and producer of Undercover Boss out of L.A. So he produces the show, and then he sells it to, back then it was all CBS buying it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I met the gentleman who owned Undercover Boss. And we just chatted, you know, at a table of eight, nine people, whatever. So we, the next morning we had a, a C-suite hour and a half session before we went out to go play on the slopes again. Uh, very deep dive and very transparent, closed doors, whatever. And when we came out of that meeting, my PR agency head, Brad Fishman, who's actually a, a minority partner with us in my fry, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but uh, approached me and said, hey, so-and-so at the Undercover Boss, was very, very impressed with y'all's conversation yesterday. He wants to film you on a segment. Of course, I thought, cool, right. you know. It'd be my second acting gig, so to speak, right? And um, so the, I called uh, my attorney, Lane, in Philadelphia, the franchising attorney, who did a lot of undercurrent boss contracts for the, the C-suites, and I signed the contract. And so the producer in L.A. sent me makeup before and after of to the last two episodes they had just shot. Uh, I knew both the guys. One of those is a good friend of mine, uh, an ex-chair of the board of IFA, Steve Greenbaum, who owned PostNets. Mm -hmm. uh, he is now he sold that company. And the other one was Ron Lynch, who owned Tilted Kilt, him and his wife, uh, ex-NFL football player. So I knew both of them. So they sent me the before and after makeup and some, and some ideas on how they're going to hide me in two locations, right? They're going to hide me in Goldsboro, North Carolina, and they're going to hide me in Texas. Mm -hmm. um, and so I look at the makeup shots, and I saw who they were. Well, I wasn't interested in the PostNet segment, but I emailed the guy, and I said, can, can I see Ron's segment from Tilted Kilt? And it was horrible, in my opinion. It was horrible, you know, that segment that everybody talked about on, on CNN and, and Fox News where the manager made the, the girls eat like, you know, there were animals out of the tray and the one that ate the most got the best shift. And it was just bad. 
And so I went home, and and like like you know, uh, a good husband, I tell you my wife. Should have done in the first place. <laughs> Here's what I saw, you know, whatever. And um, you know, sometimes it takes a, a a good supporting smart spouse to 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 shake, you know, you straight. And she says, we don't need this. We just don't need this. So that and got there's me. commitments to giving. You there have to is, give money, too. There is commitment. So you have to give uh, up to $250,000 of value. It's not checks, but value. That's why you see on Undercover Boss. Pay for your school. Pay for your school, give you a franchise, whatever it may right. be, right? And you have to have some type of a sentimental drive story that makes you drive right. as, a, as a C-suite, so to speak. Um, and so back then I called Fred DeLuca and I said, tell me why you didn't do the, the subway and you put your COO to do it instead of you doing it. And he says, Sam, not all publicity is good publicity. That's what he told me. And, I, and that was just it right there. I said, you know, Fred's never got me wrong. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. So I called my attorney and said, get me out. Get me out. Get me out. So after about $10,000 of legal expenses, mm -hmm. um, I'm out. Right. And who they replaced me with was Nazar, who was the CEO of Buffalo Wings and Rings. So if you ever saw on television Buffalo Wings and Rings, Undercover Boss, or if you ever desire to, to look it up and watch it, that was my segment. Right. So they took my wing concept and you know they were upset with me and they said, well, we'll just give it to another wing concept. Right. And they gave it to those guys to do. Um, and so I think that was the right I move. I think you dodged a bullet there. I think I did dodge a bullet there because it, the restaurant space is very, very difficult on what happens front of house, back of house, and employee. You're managing so many personalities. Um, we've been blessed with our brand that we've had n no big issues as a brand. Uh, my store in Clemens is, is, I got the greatest employees you can have, and, mm -hmm. and they're still hard to manage. Um, my young people in Clemens, terrific 17, 18 year olds, who are running you know, a million six operations some days. Mm -hmm. Um, it is um, uh, really cool to watch that come together, but it's, it's difficult. It's really hard to manage so many personalities as far as the production of your dining experience, right. John, right? And then to manage so many personalities of consumers. Um, it, is a, um, it is a very difficult industry to be in, but it's very attractive because it's a cash flow model, and if it's done right, it's a very profitable model. Well. Talking about concepts, another T-ball here. Right. What the heck is MyFry? So um, as you saw on that thing there, so in 2016, I formed a firm called Zorability. Okay. Franchisors, Zor, ability of doing it correctly, ability, Zorability. And I formed it, woke up one day and said, you know, I'm going to form something to, to create a legacy and a payback. And then when I get paid to speak, which I do sometimes, I'll put the checks in, in that company. Right. Very little. So fast forward to that 2018, I get another kind of brain thing that says to me, you know, this needs to become, it's time to launch it. I found it in 2016, let's launch it. So I invited some people in to invest with me in some talent that I needed. You know, Tom Scalise with supply chain, Mark Lee So with franchise sales and development. Mark's been in the business 28 years. Mm -hmm. And Sammy G, Sammy Janopoulos, you know, from Patelli's and Three Bulls. Uh, we've been good friends for a long, long time. Um, and he's got great culinary talent. And in fact, he won the Silver Plate Award nationally, one of six in the country. He's going to Chicago to get that award. Two great uh, restaurants that he's got there. You know, so he's a good talent, great talent, uh, and a good operator. And so I approached this guy and said, let's take this durability, 
Um, you know, I'm the majority owner, but you know, I'll, I'll invite you guys in. There's no value to it. It's just basically a shell company. Let's cut it up a little bit, but let's do this with it. And, and let's coach some emerging brands how to do franchise in the right way, understanding that you, your franchisees have families and have assets and to protect. So it's got to be done the right way. You just can't go and sell, sell, sell. I mean, too many, a few bad apples of that have been out there in the marketplace, and we don't ever want to be that kind of, uh, of apple in franchising. So away it went, 2018, coaching for some small fees, uh, emerging brands, two of these, five of these, ten of these, I want to go to a franchise space, how do I do it? Right. Do it the right way, be patient, do it this way, do it that way. And through that came a small brand called Get Fried from a young man who's played in the PGA, um, who had bought another company and he had launched this small franchise company, did a lot of franchise sales the first year, uh, but had a very difficult time getting them up and running, no infrastructure in place. So. He came to us for some coaching, and we basically coached him and told him, stop what you're doing, unravel it, get out of it, try to help the franchisees, a few, four, five, or six franchisees you have, um, change their businesses. Your model is imploding. Right. You didn't do it right. Oh, no, 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 no. You know, ego, ego, ego. Long story short, we got involved with that brand um, only as a majority partnership. We're not going to put energy into this because it's so much work to be done. If we're going to do this, we have to have some opportunity to drive some equity out of it. And so we did that in 2019. And then we redid all that to basically get ready for 2020 relaunch of Get Fried and COVID came. So during COVID, I reimagined the whole concept into my fry. You know, hand-cut homemade French fries, done the right way with Sammy G driving that culinary background. And topping the food sandwiches and or sliders and milkshakes, and we called it My Fry. You, it's your fry, it's my fry, I'm gonna get a My Fry. And get you know good French fries, get good sliders, chicken and, and beef, we got certified Angus beefs, we got steak burgers. All the things you expect, you know, uh, the, the East Coast wings culture of food quality, you know, spilling into the My Fry, and then you add a Sammy G to it, you know, with Fratellius and Three Bulls with that talent, and it's got probably the best milkshake in town. Right. I challenge anybody to go try a milkshake. It was our, Something we added last minute were milkshakes, just for like, let's add something for more of a dessert instead of putting desserts. Right. And it's been kind of the secret weapon. It's been the most killer product out there as far as the consumer base, you know, 12, 1300 a month selling uh, in that little location by Academy Sports. How's it doing? It's doing good. Mm-hmm. It's doing good. I mean, it's still proofing. Right. Franchisees of the previous brand model are wanting to convert, but we're telling them, don't put your money into it yet. We have more proofing to do. It's only been you know, two and a half months in operation. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't So let's month. do some more proofing. And we know we've got it nailed down the right way and that the EBITDA is correct. It needs to be. And we know you can take money home to your family. Then we'll ask you to recapitalize and redecorate and change over the old location to new. Um, and that's the right way of doing it. Right. All right, you ready? Here comes the good ones. Yeah. What does Sam Ballas want to be remembered for? This can be retirement. I'm not saying that you're passing away or anything, but you know, what do you want to be remembered for? I want to be in, in the in the business sense of the world. I want to be remembered as, you know, the the C-suite guy that really gave a damn about the franchise space and the franchisees' well-being. Mm-hmm. It wasn't all about how much can the company make and how many nice cars can you drive or how big can the house be. Mm-hmm. Um, we do put a tremendous amount of energy, as do I, 
in oversight with this building that you're sitting in to make sure our franchisees are profitable. We own the term. We register own the term driven by unit level economics. So in my business world, I want to be known as that franchising CEO that was the first to market printing EBITDA before any other franchise model from Burger Kings to McDonald's mm -hmm. ever in franchising space. That he really stood by his philosophy that kept his company growing much slower than what most franchise models grow because he wanted to make sure that everybody was profitable that he brought into that brand. And you know, for me as a community person, um, I cannot negotiate as the hardest other person can. Sure, I can negotiate tough, but um, we put a lot back in the community. Um, we give checks to the food bank every month. Um, we gave to the Susan B's of, uh, of the associations. We give to, I mean, hey, look at my menu in Clemens. Mm -hmm. The back page shows you who we donate money to all the time. Yeah. We never, never tell schools no. You guys care. We never, uh, you know, so uh, although I'm kind of um, uh, behind the radar of a lot of that, um, we, sometimes we do anonymous donations or anonymous gives, but um, I'm a give back person. I, I do understand you can't be always a taker. You gotta be a giver too. So, um, you know, for me as just, you know, Sam Ballast outside of business, um, family guy, gay about the community. The best grandpa S in the world? Best grandpa in the world, of course, yeah, of course. course. Yeah. Uh, simple, I, I can be, I like cool stuff, mm -hmm. but uh, I'm not show offy. Mm -hmm. I'm simple. Um, you know, you're not going to see me um, um, you know, brag about a company that I launched in MyFry unless the media comes and asks me about it right. and does a small PR piece. Uh, I always brag about the performance of the brand because... Well, you've got good people. The performance of the brand is the franchisees. Yeah. You know, so I'm really bragging about my franchisees. i got the best franchisees you can have. Right. I mean, they're great people, and they, and, and they make money. You know, our brand's very unique. Um, our, not that we don't have inflection. We don't have hiccups. We do. We get, we give curb, we get curveballs as well. But uh, if overall, the majority are very high percentile. Um, our franchisees have made great lifestyle changes with the brand, with, with their economics. Uh, they didn't buy GM jobs. They bought ownership, small business ownership, profit jobs uh, when, they, when they bought the license. Cool. Well, I appreciate you doing us. Yeah, man. That's my neighbor. <laughs> appreciate uh, Sam being here with us, talking about East Coast Wings, My Fry Franchising, how to raise your kids properly, being a grandpa, all of those things. Want to thank Smitty's Notes, Jeff. We appreciate you sponsoring us, and we will be back next week with more Camel City Chat. Thanks again. Appreciate it, bud. Yeah, man.